Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Joshua chapter 5 and verse 12. Then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land. The children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite with him with his sword drawn in his hand. Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, Neither, but as a commander of the army of the Lord I have now come. Joshua fell on his face to the earth, catch this, and worshipped said to him, What does my Lord say to this servant? Commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandal from your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. One more verse of Scripture, chapter 6, verse 1. Now Jericho was securely shut up. Now Jericho. Notice those two words. I want to talk to you for a few moments this morning on what to do in transitional places. Because this text is dealing with the biggest transition that Israel would ever make from the wilderness to the promised land. The transitional place that all of us sooner or later will find ourselves in at least once, usually two to three major transitions happen in the average person's life. And it can be a place of frustration when you're at the same level for a long time. You will feel frustrated. I know the feeling of when I've been in transitional places and I feel frustrated with where I am and I know there's more, but I don't know how I'm going to get there. The place of transition is, you know, when you move from where you are into what God has for you. The word came to Joshua in this text and he said, you and this people, it's very important wording, you and this people cross over the Jordan to the land that I will show you. This is a place of crossover. It's a place of separation from the wilderness, separation from the dry spell, separation from the struggle and the, and the, the, just the brutalness of the wilderness. You're about to cross over. But Joshua, you won't cross over unless you connect to this people. There's people that you have to connect to to cross over. And the same for the people. They had a leader named Moses, but Moses was dead. And now the people have to have a new leader, and his name is Joshua. Joshua was a power relationship for the people of Israel, for he would take them where Moses could not take them. Joshua is a beautiful picture of Jesus and Moses represents the law. And notice that God told Moses, you're not going with them into the promised land. There is a spiritual lesson there. I've always thought it was cruel that God uh, said to Moses after all that he had done good, he made one mistake and hit a rock when God told him not to. And God said, now you you won't die in the promised land. You're going to die on the other side. You're not going over. They're going to go over, but you're not going to always rack my mind. Why? And he didn't understand types and shadows. Moses represents the law. And the law can't take you in 
to the promise. You got to have Joshua or heavenly Jesus. Heavenly Joshua is Jesus. Jesus can take you where the law can't take you. And Jesus was a power relationship. You cannot get these people into their promised land without a relationship with Joshua who represents Jesus. But he also represents anointed leadership. There's things inside of you that cannot be unlocked until you get around the right folks. I want to ask you a question. I want to make a statement, then I want to ask you a question. There's a difference between showing up at church and joining up with the vision of a house. Join up with powerful people. Join up with leaders who are anointed to lead. For they will surely release and unlock things inside of you while they speak and while they preach. And they will empower you to go places you cannot go without Joshua's or power relationships in your life. The Bible said, and when Moses died... Joshua came on the scene, and I love the, the wording of it, and God began to magnify Joseph in the eyes of the people. I've watched that take place in this ministry. I guess I'm sort of your Moses, but I'm still alive. <laughs> but I've watched God touch your pastor, Ben and Carissa, and he's magnifying them in the eyes of the people. That's a holy thing. That's a godly thing. It's God's way of raising up. And it's beautiful. When there's a new move of God, you can either ignore it or you can make friends with it. Moses is dead. It was awesome. It was powerful. That was great. The miracles, the plagues. Wow, we can stay up all night around the campfire and talk about all that God's done. But there's a new thing that God is doing. Joshua. And the word of the Lord was, I'm going to magnify him in your eyes. And watch this, smart people make friends with the new move of God. Be a friend to what God is doing now. Don't get stuck in religious tradition. Don't get stuck in your denominational background and how y'all have always acted in church. Befriend the new move of God. Stay fresh in your relationship with Jesus. The thing that I noticed is every time the children of Israel got in a place of transition, God changed their diet. The children of Israel had three specific diets in the Old Testament. When they were in Egypt, in bondage, as slaves to Pharaoh, the Bible said He fed them leeks and garlics and onions. This is the food of bondage. Leeks and garlic and onions. Nothing wrong with those foods. They're actually very healthy. But the thing about leeks and onions and garlic is when you're in bondage and you're eating things that are, that are not good for you spiritually speaking, everybody around you can tell what you've been eating. It's not hard to tell what some people have been eating because their attitude stinks. Because what comes out of their mouth is, woo-wee, man, what have you been consuming and taking in? When you're consuming a diet of offense and bitterness and unbelief and fear and doubt, it'll come out of you. 
And everybody around you will notice that you have stinking thinking and a stinking attitude will come out of by the by the way of the words that you choose to use. It's the food of bondage. And when God's going to do something great in your life, if you're going to get out of bondage, you've got to start eating something else. You've got to start consuming. God wants to bring you out of bondage into a new thing. But He says, I'm going to change your diet and you're not going to eat leeks and garlics. I'm going to start feeding you with manna. It's what Romans 8 talks about. Do not be conformed to... Uh, be not conformed to this world, to the, pl- to the place where you are right now, the season you're at, but be transformed. Start feeding and taking on a new diet, transformed by the renewing of your mind. Before I can take you where you can go, I've got to get you to consuming something different than bitterness and anger and hurt and offense and all of that. I've got to get you to get your mind renewed and start consuming good things and good thoughts and whatsoever things are pure, just, lovely. If there be any virtue, any praise, think on these things because then God will begin to transition you out of the bondage and the chains of hurt and brokenness into a new season and a new place. And so then we see that in the wilderness, he changes their diet to manna. The word manna means what is it? What is it? They had it for 40 years in their wilderness wanderings. It's the bread of uncertainty. You don't know where you're going. You don't know what you're doing. But God says, I'll sustain you in that time. And I'll give you manna and you won't understand You won't understand it all, but you'll sit in services like this. And if you'll just keep coming, an anointed leader will get up and preach the word of God. And you don't understand everything going on in your life, but it'll sustain you through your wilderness. God's taken you somewhere. God's brought you so far already. He's not going to desert you now. He's not going to walk away from you now. But you've got to keep consuming the right stuff. It's manna. What is it? You don't quite know where you are Going yet. Churches are what is it to people who've just gotten saved? What is it? I I heard I'm supposed to get baptized. What is it? I heard I'm supposed to be filled with the Spirit. What is it? I heard I'm supposed to tithe. What is it? I heard I'm supposed to praise and worship. What is it? Why do these people all around me, they're raising their hands and clapping? What is it? And when you first come to a church like this, it freaks you out because you don't know what, what's, what are these people on? What are they doing? Why is the lights dark? Why, why, why is the guy, what, what's going on in this place? It's, church is a big, what is it to you? But if you just keep coming, just eat it. Just eat it. Just, you don't know, you don't know how to praise God. You clapping off time and, and, and everybody else, you can't, you throwing your hand up and you don't even know why you're, just jump in and do it because what it will do is it's teaching you how to make it through your wilderness. God's taking you somewhere. God's taking you somewhere. Just keep attending. Just keep worshiping. Just keep coming. Even when you don't know what it is, just keep praising God. Just keep listening to sermons and taking notes. But then they got to the place of the crossover where I read, and this is what it says, the manna ceased And they ate the fruit of the ground. The third diet was the fruit of the ground of the promised land. Can you imagine after 40 years of manna every day? God says now, 
I'm changing the diet and the manna ceased. It stopped coming. They were never given any more manna. Now you can have whatever you're willing to break the ground for and sow. Whatever you want to eat, you decide. The limits are removed. If you'll stay in church, God will bring you out of bondage, out of addiction, out of the shame and the pain of the past. You'll go through a wilderness experience. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You're going to go through trials. You're going to go through times where you don't know what in the world's going on. I thought things would get wonderful and things aren't wonderful. But you hold to God's unchanging hand. You keep eating. What is it? What is it? What is it He's doing in me? Where is it He's taking me? What is it He wants from me? You keep eating it and there'll come the third diet. And He says, now that you're in the promised land, the limits are removed. And if you want grapes, it's up to you. If you want corn, sow for it. It's up to you. If you want wheat, sow it. It's up to you. I'm going to preach. If you want collard greens, it's up to you. If you want black-eyed peas and turnips, see, y'all don't even know what that is, but that's, that's food. Ooh, I wish I had some right now. If you want it, if you want it, you got to sow for it. Act upon your faith. A demand must be placed on your faith. At some point, you've got to quit just taking notes and having a, no- a Bible full of notes. Once you're taught faithfulness, taught praise and worship, taught prayer, taught authority in Jesus' name, then it's got to be become more than notes in your Bible. You don't want to become an overfed pew potato. Your comfort level has to be challenged and you begin to understand I can have the kind of life that God wants me to have, but it's up to me to sow and reap. If I sow friends, I'll get friends. If I sow hope, I'll get hope. If I sow joy, I'll get joy. If you need peace, sow peace. If you need finances, sow finances. If you need encouragement, sow it. Whatever kind of life you need right now, you have to sow and then you reap. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together running over. But here's the point. Your comfort level must be challenged. That's why every time he was moving them, they had to get uncomfortable. I'm j- just about the time you're ready to write a recipe book called 1001 Ways to Cook Manna, God says, I'm changing the diet. Welcome to the discomfort zone. And some of you can't figure out why you're in a place at this phase in your life where it's so, it's so out of your comfort zone. And God says the only way, listen to me, your comfort level must be challenged because your fruitfulness is linked to the discomfort zone. If God allows you to go into, I've I've been preaching and living a long time, and I'm just telling you, right before my most fruitful breakthroughs in my life, I go through discomfort. And I've learned to now recognize that anytime I'm in discomfort, in an uncomfortable place, feel like, wow, this is, this feels a little out of control. And, and oh God, this is stretching me to the max. What, what's going to happen here? That's God about to bring fruit. They that, watch the discomfort. They that sow in tears, Psalms 116 said, shall reap in joy. doesn't sound like it's comfortable, does it? They sow in tears. He that will not plow by reason of the heat because it's too hot will have no harvest in the winter. Notice that when you sow, that you have to learn how to do it when it's not convenient. 
Your fruitfulness is tied to your discomfort zone. Just about the time when you get good and comfortable with your life, God will come along and say, there's more in you than you ever dreamed. But if you're just going to try to stay there and camp out there the rest of your life, I've got something higher. I want you to go from victory to victory. I never meant that to be your ceiling. I meant it to be your platform. And you are settling, and I'm going to have to stir you up and throw you into a discomfort zone. The food of freedom is not a handout. It's a plow. It's work. It's sowing. It's using your faith. It's using what God has given you. But boy, when you do, your diet begins to switch. And suddenly you learn how to trust God. Notice that when a woman is about to give birth, the sign of her fruitfulness is not comfort. The sign of her fruitfulness is discomfort. It's extreme discomfort. She will get to a place where when you roll her in the wheelchair through the emergency door of the hospital, she's not laughing and joking. (laughs) Sharice, by about the third or fourth one, we had five. She had one thing on her mind when she was going through those doors. Are the drugs ready? She would almost go through with her arm out and her back exposed. Epidural, please. Now, 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 now. Because she knew that if I'm going to be fruitful, I'm going to have to go through discomfort that is unreal. And some of you are despising where you are right now. And you don't know that he is a good God. What he was singing was right. He's good. And his mercy and his goodness are following you. Not some of the days, but all of the days of your life. And even, even reversals and closed doors is not God withdrawing. It's actually saying there's something in you that can't come out in pretty days. There's something in you that can't come out in comfortable places. I've got to put you in a place where you're totally in a place of discomfort. But out of that will come fruitfulness. So he changes things up. Constantly. Jesus told the disciples, one day go pay your taxes. And they said, we don't have any money. And he said, go down to the ocean and throw a hook in with a fishing pole and you're going to catch a fish. Pull him out of the water. And when you pull him out of the water, there's treasure inside that you won't get until you pull him out of his comfort zone. And the Bible said you have treasure in an earthen vessel. And some of you just want a life of bubble baths and and masseuse and live it up. And you don't understand that's not why you're here. Enjoy those times. Nothing wrong with enjoying life. But the bottom line is you're here for the kingdom of God. And God will put you through things that will bring discomfort so that you will become fruitful for His glorious, for His glorious name's sake. Say amen, somebody. I love this story now. Let me center in. They're at the transitional place. And he sees this angel in the text with a sword drawn right before he's about to cross over and take the children of Israel after 40 years of wandering, an angel is standing there as, as, as Joshua's praying that morning about to get up and go lead the people across. And an angel, when he opens his eyes, is standing with a sword drawn. He asked him a powerful question. He said, are you for us or are you for our adversaries? And I love this angel. He said, neither. He said, if you want God on your side, you better get on God's side. 
I could see him. I just think he was a bad angel. I, I, I think he had an attitude. I think he said, it don't matter to me. I'll whip you. I'll whip them. I'll whip all of y'all. I'm here for the kingdom of God and his will to be done on earth. And if you want to win, God's not on your side. He's on his side. You need to get on his side. Some of you got problems with somebody you don't like right now. And God's on my side. Not, 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 we really get it messed up because we want, you know, especially if there's a heathen or something and we're a Christian, we think, kill them, God, in Jesus' name. Get them, God. Give them a good car wreck. Mess them up. Don't kill them. Just, just, just hurt them kind of so they'll see what an anointed vessel I am. God doesn't play that mess. God's on his side. And he says, you get on my side. My side is forgive and pray for your enemies and love people who've used you and abused you. You get on my side and then I'll fight your enemies. And then I'll, but I can't deal with you the way you're acting now because I'm not on your side. I'm not on their side. I'm on my side. That's God speaking. I'm on an assignment for the will of God to be done. Is anybody on the Lord's side? Reminds me of stupid politics. The Republicans. God's on our side. No, he's not. Democrats. God's on our side. No, he's not. God's on his own side. Joshua surrenders leadership to the angel. Let me preach just a minute. Joshua was the captain of the people, but the angel was the captain of the host of the Lord. And he said, your leadership level is greater than mine. I surrender. Everybody's not a leader. Everybody has the potential to be, but not everybody's a leader. If you don't believe it, let's just put them over your stuff. There are different measures of leadership. There are different levels of leadership. There are different... Assignments of leadership. Not all leaders are on the same level. Even in the Old Testament, God said, divide the people up and appoint leaders. Listen to this. Captains over thousands, captains over hundreds, captains over fifties. In other words, some people's leadership level can excel and do amazing over 50 people. Some people's leadership can do amazing and incredible over 1,000 people. But here's, here's something you need to remember, those of you in leadership and business and stuff, listen to me carefully. It's a great principle. If you give somebody who has a leadership capacity of 50 and you put them over 1,000, they will bring the 1,000 down to 50. But if you put a person who has leadership capability of 1,000, you give them 50, they'll take it up to 1,000. That's just how it operates. And you can grow in your gift in leadership as you, as you get more knowledge and experience. Leadership is identified by two things. Number one, results. Not titles. Everybody who claims to be a great leader is not a great leader. Don't tell me you're the leading mechanic in Orange County if they're pulling me up in a tow truck on the car you just supposedly fixed. Sometimes when I go shopping for men's, especially men's clothing, you know, department or something, some guy will come over and he, he can tell me that he's an expert in fashion and stuff. But the first thing I'm going to do is look at some results and I'm going to check him out. If his, if his shoes are all broke down, I know the shoes fast. If your shoes are all broke down and you got dry cleaning issues all over, colors don't match, I don't want you to tell me, yeah, that looks good, buy it, that looks good. I, I'm going off how you look. 
Leadership is results. It's not titles. It's results. Y'all look like y'all shocked. What kind of results? Are you able to get results? People in the ministry, I'll talk about my own field. Call me apostle. Call me prophetess. Call me pro. You don't even have a congregation or anybody that you preach. Why would I call you that? Why why don't we get some results and then let people determine what you are instead of trying to be a leader by a title? I'm I'm called to the nations of the world. Well, let's start right here in in, in your own little family. Results. I'm killing the anointing in here or something. Y'all... Ladies, fasten your seatbelt. Ladies and gentlemen, fasten your seatbelt. Turbulent weather is directly ahead. The second thing that defines a leader is not only results, but fruitfulness, increase. Leaders have the ability to produce fruit. The biblical example is Moses. Moses called a meeting with the 12 tribes of Israel. And he said, one of your tribes is going to have the leader that will be responsible for taking us to forgiveness of sin by offering the blood under the old covenant. We don't have a high priest, but we're going to choose one. And the way that we'll know is I want every tribe to get a dead stick and write the name of your tribe on it. And the, and the head person will be represented by that dead stick with the name of the tribe on it. And they all laid 12 dead sticks in on the Ark of the Covenant. And Aaron had one of those sticks too. And the Bible said they left it, came back a few days later. And all the sticks were dead. But Aaron's bud was fruitful, budding, and producing almonds and fruit. A dead stick came alive and was fruitful. Now notice this. And God said, this is a principle that still is established that God works by today, you are to follow the leader that produces the fruit. I choose Aaron. He's my choice. The way you know he's my choice is I make him fruitful. God did the same thing when it came to leading the world to salvation. Every religion said we want our leader to lead the world. God said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to cut them all down. I'm going to kill them all. I'm going to kill Muhammad. I'm going to kill Buddha. I'm going to kill Confucius. The Christians claim Jesus is the one to salvation. Kill him too. Killed them all. Put them all in a tomb and leave them there. And the one who comes back to life will be my choice to lead the world to salvation. I've come to preach this Sunday morning. Buddha is dead. Muhammad is dead. Confucius is dead. But on the third day, Jesus is alive and well. He rose from the dead. He's the first fruits of them which sleep. And if you follow him, you may die, but you won't stay dead. You have eternal life. The moment you stop breathing here, you'll be breathing over there. Follow the risen one. Follow the fruitful one. Follow the one who got results over death, hell, and the grave. Take a praise break and I'll be done. Come on, praise him this morning. Jesus. 
I'm right where I want to end this. When you get in a place of transition, it is so critical that you have anointed leadership. And Jesus is our anointed one. And what touched me about this story in closing is the Bible said that Joshua, in a moment of massive transition, fell to his knees. The angel said, take off your shoes. It was kind of like saying, take off your shoes and stay a while. We say that in the South. Come on in the house, take off your shoes and stay a while. We don't mean it literally, but, but that's what we say. Sipping sweet tea, come on in. Take your shoes off, let your hair down, relax. That's what that angel was saying. I know you're in a hurry. I know you feel the pressure of people right now. They're all packed up. They've been waiting for 40 years. I know you got all kinds of responsibilities on you, but you're a leader in transition. And if there was ever a time when you needed to hear from God and spend time in the presence of God, it's when you're in major transition. So fall on your face, son, and take your shoes off. Stay a while. Another thing about taking your shoes off is have you ever walked around barefooted when you normally wear shoes? You know something you notice? Especially outside? Your feet are real sensitive. Ooh, ow, you feel every pebble. God says, where you are, I need you to be sensitive. Every step needs to be acknowledge the Lord in all your way. And He will direct the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. I, I, I'm so sensitive. I'm spending time worshiping you because I can't miss your voice at the transition. The thing that blessed me is, is leaders ought to be worshipers. Worship is not wasting time. Worship and inquire. Worship and inquire. What, what do you want me to do? Worship and inquire. God, I'm here. Speak to me. Lead me. I acknowledge you. Worship and inquire. When you're at the transition, spend time. Get some good anointed music like this guy we've heard here today. Put it in your car and worship and inquire. Lord, what do you want me to do? And Then we move rapidly. The next chapter says, now Jericho, meaning now you're ready. Now it's time for the walls of resistance to come down. And I close with this thought as they come. I read that story again last week about Rahab, the prostitute. She was the only one on the inside of, Je uh, of Jericho. And God said, I mean, that, that God would use. And God said, I'm going to use a prostitute. And the Lord spoke to me as clearly as I've ever heard Him. And He said, you tell my people that I use unlikely people. That, that when I'm taking you somewhere, you cannot put me in a box in who I will use and not use in your life. God will use whoever He wants to use, whenever He wants to use them. And you've got to be so sensitive and so worshipful and so leaning on Jesus and dependent on Him that you are open to whoever He chooses to use. Somebody, this is what the Lord told me to tell you, somebody's already got inside where you're trying to get. But it's probably somebody that is an unlikely person that you never dreamed could be a part of God's plan for your life. But God uses unlikely people. And get ready for the unlikely. Lift your hands.
all over this room. And he worshiped. He worshiped. Are you in transition? Are you in a place where you desperately need to know the right move, the next step? You don't have to have a long range plan. I just need the next step. Begin to hear what I'm saying. He worshiped. Leaders worship. You're not too busy to worship. You don't feel so much of the push that you got to get something done, that you take time to worship. So all over this room in the overflow, wherever you are, I'm going to ask you to stand up on your feet. I'm going to ask you for about 30 seconds to 60 seconds. Just stand up on your feet. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.